Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's word that we'll give our attention to this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. Since it is a record of our Savior's words, I invite you, if you are able, to please stand. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. I mentioned at the beginning that the series that we're in now is entitled Focused. And I think, if we're honest, we all probably struggle from time to time staying focused on those things that matter most. In the youth confirmation classes that I've taught over the years, there's this one scenario that plays out every so often that always kind of makes me smile and bite my tongue at the same time. I'll be trying to explain some important teaching based on a Bible passage that we just read together as a class. I'm looking out at the kids and based on the expressions on their faces, it seems like they're tracking with me. They're understanding what I'm saying. I'm assuming they're filing it away in their long-term memory. Everything's going well. Then I finish and immediately a hand goes into the air. And I'm happy. Right? The, the teaching has led to further questions, and so the learning is going to continue. And then the question comes, Pastor, do we have class next week? I thought I saw in the bulletin you were going to be gone or something. It just deflated. We sometimes let unimportant things distract us from what is important. In the opening verses of Luke chapter 12, Jesus had been teaching the people many important things. He had warned them about hypocrisy. He had assured them of God's gracious care in their lives. He had encouraged them to be ready to make bold, clear confessions of their faith. And he promised that his Holy Spirit would give them the words to say when the time came. And after Jesus had finished this teaching, somebody in the crowd spoke up. They said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. We wonder if the man had been listening at all, right? 
or if the whole time his mind and heart had been focused on this financial matter. We often let unimportant things distract us from what truly matters. And earthly wealth is certainly one of those things that can distract us. Inheritance laws in Israel at this time were pretty straightforward. The oldest son in the family would receive a double share of the estate and every other son a younger or a single share. And so if there were two sons in the family, the estate would be divided three ways. Two parts would go to the older son, one to the younger. If there were three sons in the family, the estate would be divided four ways. Two parts for the older, one each for the younger sons, and so on. Well, it's not clear from the question whether it was the younger brother or the older brother in this case who was trying to get more than his fair share. But Jesus points out right away, you know, this really wasn't the purpose for which he came, to serve as kind of a judge in matters like this. But at the same time, Jesus knew what was behind the request that was made of him. He knew it was greed. And so here was an opportunity for him to come and do what his purpose was. To be the Savior, to proclaim sin and grace, to call people to repentance. And so he took this opportunity to teach this man, to teach the crowds who were gathered that day, to teach his own disciples, and to teach us also some important lessons about riches and greed, about life and eternity. And really the question that Jesus would have us consider today is this. Are you rich toward God or just rich? He starts with a warning. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus tells a parable to make his point. A story about a man who was rich, very rich, but also just rich. Jesus said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So here was a property owner, somebody who must have worked very hard to plow and plant his fields, to weed and to water his crops, and now he was enjoying an exceptionally good harvest. So much so that he didn't really know what to do with it all. He didn't have room to store all of this abundance. Kind of a nice problem to have, right? My wallet is not big enough to hold all of my cash. Or my garage doesn't have enough stalls to hold all of my cars. So this guy thought things over and decided, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns, build new ones, bigger ones to store all my stuff. Maybe this is our kind of guy to a certain extent, right? I mean, successful, hardworking, planning for the future. We could use more people like that. Maybe we would like to be more like that. So far, so good in the story. But then the parable continues and Jesus shows us what was behind the plans that this man made. He said to himself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. 
eat, drink, be merry. So it wasn't so much prudent planning for the future that drove this man, but rather a desire to store up this stuff for personal selfish enjoyment. And that casts this whole story then, which began pretty good, in a whole different light. Now we understand why the man kept talking about my barns, my fields, my grain, my stuff. The man says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Not once do we hear a word of gratitude towards God. Not even an acknowledgement that the abundance he had was a result of God's blessing on his life. We don't hear him consider other options for how he might use this great abundance. Did he have no family, friends, or neighbors that he might have shared it with? No local congregation to support? No needy people who lived in the community that he might be able to help out a little bit? This man was rich, very rich, but also just rich, not rich toward God. And it's here that Jesus makes his point. After this man determines in his own heart what he's going to do with his abundance, then God speaks. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? The book of Proverbs says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. This man in Jesus' story considered himself to be wealthy, wise, and secure. But in reality, he was poor, ignorant, and vulnerable. He was a fool. He failed to consider some very critical truths about his situation. First of all, he failed to recognize that earthly wealth doesn't last beyond the grave. That was the truth that was taught so clearly in our lesson from Ecclesiastes today, where Solomon spoke about how meaningless it is to store up all this stuff for ourselves since when we die, we have to turn it over to somebody else anyways. This rich man failed to realize that our life is not about amassing an abundance of things. Rather, it consists in a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Apart from Jesus, rich or poor, life has no real lasting meaning or value. Apart from Jesus, life is simply 70 or 80 years of existence in this world, nothing more. Again, our lesson from Ecclesiastes made that point pretty clearly. It said, apart from God, who can find enjoyment? Finally, this rich man in Jesus' story failed to recognize that even though he seemed to be able to accumulate all of this stuff, he didn't have the ability to ensure the more, more basic thing, that he was going to be around long enough to enjoy that stuff. He thought that he had this situation completely in control. He knew what he was going to do. He knew what his future held. 
didn't recognize that God is the one who determines on which day our lives come to an end. We know the Bible passage. Our times are in your hands. And so it's a sad story. I mean, it's no wonder that we call this the parable of the rich fool. In this man's pursuit to gain all of these things for himself, he overlooked that one thing that matters more than all, his relationship with the Lord. Do we always manage to avoid that same sort of foolishness in our own lives? Do we recognize that earthly wealth doesn't last beyond the grave? And do our lives reflect that we believe that truth? Do we remember that our 70 or 80 years in this world, no matter how good they might seem, are ultimately a drop in the bucket compared with eternity? Do we spend more time and effort pursuing things that don't last than we do pondering and rejoicing in the things that God has given us which last forever? In all of our preparing and planning for the future, in all of our enjoyment of present things, do we sometimes overlook that one thing that matters most, our relationship with the Lord Jesus? If today were the day for us that God came and demanded our lives, is there any concern that we might be counted as a fool? Jesus' warning hits home. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The lesson that this rich man failed to learn is the one that Jesus is striving to teach us today. It's because it's not only this certain rich man who died as a fool. At the end of his parable, Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And so we come back to that question, are you rich toward God or just rich? See, by putting this question to us, Jesus is continuing to carry out that work he came to do. Not to serve as a judge in earthly matters, but to be our Savior. To proclaim the law and the gospel. To call us to repentance. To lead us to understand that true riches and true life is found only in him. To help us see that earthly wealth doesn't last, but the things that Jesus gives us, they do. The Apostle Paul says it like this, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The forgiveness of sins, the righteousness that God accepts, that home in heaven with Jesus where we will spend eternity. Those are the riches that far exceed and far outlast anything that this world has to offer. And through Jesus, all of that belongs to us. He paid for our greed with the generous offering of His own precious blood. 
He makes sure that none of us as his people ever have to stand before God someday and try to explain a life that was consumed by selfishness. He spares us from that by offering his own life of perfect devotion to God in our place. He endured the wage that our sins deserve so that we might enjoy the gift that his perfection provides. In pure grace, Jesus has made us his own people, people who now live lives that are rich toward God. And we should think about that for just a minute. What exactly does it mean to be rich toward God? I mean, when we hear that phrase, maybe the first thing that comes to our mind are the offerings that we bring to the Lord, or maybe the service that we provide to God or to other people in this world. And that's part of it, but that's not the primary thing that Jesus has in mind when he talks about being rich toward God. He's talking about giving our attention to those things through which the spiritual riches that he won for all become our own. To be rich toward God is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, as Jesus says in Matthew 6. This man in Jesus' parable was consumed with acquiring, maintaining, and enjoying his earthly wealth. God wants us to be consumed with our baptisms, with his word of truth, with his precious supper, because it's through these means of grace that God gives, maintains, and allows us to live our faith in Jesus. First and foremost, that's what it means to be rich toward God. When we have that sort of richness, then we're able to find the focus that God wants us to have in our lives. Focus that allows us to put a proper value on the earthly wealth that we enjoy, whatever it may be. We understand first and foremost that all that we are and have comes to us as a gift from God. And so we recognize right away that we owe God a debt of gratitude for these things. We understand that all that God has entrusted to us, including our material wealth, is to be used in such a way that pleases and honors Him. That doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it. What it does mean is that beyond personal enjoyment, as God's people, we're also going to be considering the ways that we can use this wealth for other reasons that are pleasing to Him. We'll care for our families, support our government. We'll wisely plan for our futures here on earth while at the same time trusting in God to provide and not our own planning. We'll generously support the gospel ministry with the first and best of all that God has given us in gratitude for the innumerable blessings that have become ours through that gospel. We'll look around us to see who might be in need of our help. We won't have to look far. Ultimately, will understand Jesus' point that life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions, but rather in our relationship with the Lord Jesus and with his grace in which we now stand. Thanks to Jesus, whether we are rich or poor by the standards of the world doesn't much matter. What matters most of all is that we are rich toward God 
through faith in Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.